If you have change of information, please place that on there. Also, if you have a prayer request or a praise, place it on there as well. And if you're a guest with us this morning, I encourage you to complete the card, turn it into our Welcome Center, and we have a very special gift for you this morning. So please, if you can, complete that. As Kurt said, uh, we are in this rich, wonderful, exciting season of the life of God's church called Faith Covenant. This past week, we completed our series of messages, Real Life Together, as we looked at some of the biblical foundations for where God may be leading us as we connect, as we grow together, and as we serve. Now, this morning, we're kind of going into the very first of an eight-week series, looking at what is next. Where is God leading us as we go on this rich, rich, wonderful journey of faith with our Lord and Savior? Now, a couple of years ago, Max Licato wrote a book, Glory Days. Any of you happen to read this one? I love Max Licato stuff, and I've kind of stayed away from it a little bit. Um, Kevin reminded me of, of uh, Max Licato and read about half of this book, and this really is a great story of God's journey with his children, the Hebrew, his chosen people, as they went from slavery to that ultimate promised land. Max Licato said that the Hebrews went from 400 years being shackled in slavery to 40 years of being shackled in fear before they finally entered in to that promised land. I wonder for some of us, do we feel like we're shackled in sin? Maybe shackled in fear before we truly enter in to that promised land God has for us. Just parts of our lives just don't feel totally complete. Locato says we should change our address from the wilderness to the promised land. So this morning is an introduction to the Exodus. And I want to do this a little differently. I want to do it from the perspective of someone who was there, someone who witnessed it. My name means drawn out. And drawn out really tells you a great deal about who I am. It tells you about my background, a little bit of the history, for I was born into a Hebrew slave family in Egypt. My ancestors had been 400 years in slavery. We had grown to such a, a large population as slaves that Pharaoh was fearful that we might uprise and try to take over. And so he ordered that every male child be killed, thrown into the Nile River. My, my parents refused to allow it to happen. Uh, they kept me with them for a while and then placed me in a, a little reed boat and then set me adrift in the Nile River. I'm sure it wasn't coincidence, but a young woman found me, and she happened to be a daughter of Pharaoh, a princess. And she raised me as a prince of Egypt in Pharaoh's household, but I know this wasn't coincidence either. She needed a nursemaid, and they selected my mom. And so I was raised as a, as a prince of Egypt, and yet I knew my entire background is a Hebrew. I knew of God's promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that promised land that awaited God's chosen people, the Hebrews. But I was also a prince of Egypt, and I lived that kind of dual life and struggled at times. And it all came to a head when I was about 40 years old, when I saw an Egyptian slave master beating a Hebrew slave. I became enraged and killed that Egyptian. I feared for my life and ran away. I ran from Egypt east to Midian 
a wilderness, a desert region, and there, connected with a, a family, became a shepherd. Ended up being married and having children, and for 40 years, 40 years, had a, a really good life. And then something really strange happened. It ever happened to you that you were out in the wilderness and all of a sudden this bush was burning, but it wasn't being <laughs> consumed? Yeah. Seems strange to me. I, I thought maybe it was something I drank. I wasn't sure. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was a bush that was burning, but yet wasn't consumed. And a voice spoke to me, and I began to wonder if it was more of what I had drank. But it was God. Now, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it at first. But finally, I did. And God was asking me to do the strangest thing. He wanted me to go back to Egypt. Say what? Maybe the pharaohs changed, but some people may still remember me, and I killed an Egyptian. I'm not going back to Egypt. And God said, yeah, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to talk to Pharaoh. And no, you've got to be kidding. I'm, I stumble. I, I, I don't put sentences together very well. I'm, I'm not very articulate. And God says, no, you're going to go. You're going to go. Finally, God said, you can go and you can take your brother Aaron with you because he's a bit more articulate. Maybe he can give you some support. But here's what I want you to do. You go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh that God wants Pharaoh to let his people go. What? Tell Pharaoh God wants you to let his people go. And God gave a few demonstrations just how powerful he was, and I decided I probably needed to go. And so I went to Egypt. Pharaoh, God says to let his people go, the Hebrews. No way. We're not going to let the people go. We've got 600,000 male slaves. They're a huge part of our workforce, and we pay them nothing. And Pharaoh became so upset, he made their work even more. Didn't let him go. And so God kind of upped the ante. And he told me to go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And I did this nine different times for nine different plagues. You'd think that all water turning to blood might have changed Pharaoh's mind. No, his heart was hardened. How about uh, gnats and boils and hail and darkness and just all kinds of things happened. Nine different plagues and Pharaoh said, no, I'm not letting your people go. Ain't no way until the 10th plague. On the 10th plague, God gave us a little warning and said, above your doorposts, uh, put some blood. You're going to know what this means later on. And that 10th plague, death passed over all of Egypt and the firstborn of every family died. Except the Hebrews. Except the Hebrews. And death passed over us. And that became what we now know as Passover. With that, Pharaoh said, yeah, leave, get out of here now. And the people of Egypt were so excited for us to leave and wanting us to leave, they gave us jewelry and gold and all kinds of supplies to get us out of there. Now, we weren't very small at this point. Like I said, 600,000 men. We were like moving a small city of over a million people, maybe a million and a half. And we began to move. We began to leave. And we ended up going up by the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's heart changed again. And he decided he was going to come after us. 
and sent out all of his chariots and his best of soldiers and came after us. And our people began to grumble and complain and whine about why did you send us out here in the desert just to be killed? But God, in his providence, confused the Egyptian army, allowed us to escape on dry land across the Red Sea. I still haven't figured that one out. And as we all got over, all million plus of us, over into the region of Midian, the cloud disappeared and the Egyptian army came in and they were drowned. Not coincidence. God's providence in this journey. And we continued and within three days, the people were grumbling and complaining again. They had no water. God, we need water. The water we have is bitter. And God said, well, throw a stick in it. Threw a stick in it. Water was fine. People were happy for another few days. Then he began to grumble again. Oh, we're hungry. Lord, we got to feed them. Now give them this stuff called manna. They'll kind of use it like flour. And we'll give them enough quail that maybe they'll even get sick. But we'll feed them. And then a little while later, we're still thirsty. And so God said, well, strike a rock. And water will come out of it. And fresh water came out. And kind of became my downfall later on because later on God said, speak to the rock. I decided on my own I'd strike it. Not a good thing to do when God tells you to do one thing to do something else. And we continued to travel. And then the Amalekites come. Now, we have had 400 years of never having a soldier. 400 years, and now we have the Amalekites, and they want to battle us. Not a fair fight. Not at all. But God allowed us to succeed. We defeated the Amalekites. And we continued our journey and continued our journey. And we get to the base of Mount Sinai. And, and God says, hey, Moses, come, come on up here. I want to talk to you. Now, I went up and down that mountain a number of times. I got my 10,000 steps in almost every day. <laughs> And I'd come up and I'd bring down laws and rules. And I'd go up and bring down more laws and rules and come up and down, up and down, up and down. And one time, probably the most critical time, I was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And God's chosen people, the Hebrews, decided to complain again. They went to my brother Aaron and said, Aaron, we're not sure your brother's ever coming back and we're not too sure about this God. So how about if you build us a golden calf and let us worship to it? A golden calf and let us worship. And, you know, some of the things I brought down was don't worship any idols and don't make idols of gold and silver. And Aaron knew this, but he made him a golden calf. But Aaron also said, we're going to be worshiping the Lord. So he was conflicted, but God got wind of this and he was none too pleased. I wasn't too pleased either. Came down. I had two tablets. I broke them. And uh, expressed to God's chosen people, the Hebrews, that I was stuck leading, that this is not a good thing at all. Now, the people began to repent, but damage had been done. I went to God and pled for their lives, and and God said, okay, tell you what, here's the only offer I'm going to make you. I'm going to lead you into the land that was promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by an angel. And you'll conquer that land, and it'll be a land rich and wonderful. But I'm not going to go with you. 
I am not going to go with you. Hey, we all know that story, right? Did I mess it up too badly? You know, fairly quick for the entire part of <laughs> Exodus. What would we do in that situation? God has offered us the promised land. Everything we'd ever want. With one exception. His presence. Now the good thing is that's not the end of the story. Not the end of the story at all. And it's in our scripture lesson this morning that we hear more of the story. And this comes from Exodus chapter 33 verses 12 through 17. It's on page 140 in your pew Bibles. And boof, fits on the screen. I do encourage you to follow along silently as I read aloud. Hear how Moses intervened on God's people behalf and how God responded how God responded Moses said to the Lord you have been telling me lead these people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me you have said I know you by name and you have found favor with me if you are pleased with me teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you remember that this nation is your people the Lord replied My presence will go with you. I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Please join with me in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for this wonderful story, the story of Moses and the Exodus, a story that continues with Joshua and the promised land. Lord, we ask that as we've heard the story, as we continue to chat about it, Lord, you're spilled to illuminate our hearts and our minds to hear that message you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what do we glean from this story millennia after it happened? I just want to highlight two two aspects that as we go through our personal journeys, seeking that promised land as we deal with the shackles of sin and the shackles of fear, some things we can hold on to. First, our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God of second chances. Moses killed an Egyptian. Moses oftentimes grumbled, and yet he was God's leader with God's chosen people. The Hebrew people, my goodness, you talk about grumbling, complaining, whining. They were awful. But God held in there with them as well. God hangs in there with you and with me. We grumble, we complain, we make our mistakes, we sin. God is there. Our God is a God of second chances. None of us have it all together. Mary Kay is going to come to our second service today to help support it. Um, if she were here, she could list quite a few things that I do extremely wrong. But uh, don't ask her if you see her in the future. You know, we all have our mistakes, and we've got to hold on to that blessing we have of a God whose grace is never-ending, whose love 
is forever. No matter what's going on in our journey, whether we're in the shackles of sin or the shackles of fear, or if we're really sensing that great, wonderful, wonderful promised land that's promised. And the second, and this one is so critical. If God's not leading, we shouldn't be going. If God's not leading, we shouldn't be going. Now, I'm going to put it the other way around. If we sense that God is leading us to go somewhere, we probably want to follow him. I'll just give you a little bit of my story. 30 years ago, sitting where some of you are, I think we used to sit right over there, okay? Now it's the WSU section. Back then it was the University of Washington section. And kudos to WSU. Great game. And the Huskies did pull it out in the second half. (laughs) All right. We always digress. Um, Sitting there, and and I had come to faith in this church, really knowing Christ not only as just Savior, that ticket to heaven, but I came to sense the Lord is Lord of my life. And uh, sitting there week after week in men's Bible studies and other Bible studies, I began to sense God was dragging me into the ministry to become a pastor. And I, like Moses, would complain and go, no, you don't want me. You know my past. Uh, You don't want me. Catherine Dalton, sitting over here usually, she knew me quite a few years before that. And uh, God let her believe that maybe I'd be a pastor at some point. So 12, 15 years later, she sees me as a pastor, and she couldn't believe God could do that much work. (laughs) (laughs) And if you know me now, you know how how bad I am now. It was a lot worse. Now, I'm sharing this because I sensed that God was calling me. If he's calling, I probably need to go. But I just don't jump into it. I want to make sure it's God's call. So I make sure it's, where's it written? Our good covenant phrase. Where's it written? Where's it in God's word? Pray about it. Seek the confirmation of the body of Christ. Put my toe in the water. I applied to seminary. They accepted me. Um, (laughs) Take a class. Hebrew, I passed. Um, Keep going. I graduate. I pass the ordination exams. First time. And Steve, you got me a few weeks ago after I had preached, so I know I'm going to get this back, okay? (laughs) I became ordained. Now, that's a journey, and it's a journey we can take in whatever's going on in our lives. We sense God's call, whatever it may be, sense God moving us this direction. Where's it written? Is it affirmed or confirmed? within the body of Christ, within those people we trust, our prayer warriors, our prayer partners? Do we try it? And if it works, maybe that's another step and another step. And we realize that's the journey where God is leading us. If God's not leading, don't go. If he is leading, go. 
We're going to spend the next seven weeks looking at this wonderful story of the Exodus. I got to have the fun part. Now Kurt gets to put all the, the meat onto it. But there is so much meat, so much more about this story that we're going to keep learning about our own faith journey. We're going to see God of second chances every single week and that God is the one who's leading us as individuals or we are not going. That is my prayer for us as individuals and my prayer for us as this part of the body of Christ called Faith Covenant. Amen.